This morning's scripture comes from the book of 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 1, verses 8 through 14. Hear now the word of the Lord. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about the Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share the suffering for the good news, depending on God's power. God is the one who saved and called us with a holy calling. This wasn't based on what we have done, but it was based on his own purpose and grace that he gave us in Christ Jesus before time began. Now his grace is revealed through the appearance of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He destroyed death and brought life and immortality into clear focus through the good news. I was appointed a messenger, apostle, and teacher of this good news. This is also why I'm suffering the way I do, but I am not ashamed. I know the one in whom I've placed my trust. I'm convinced that God is powerful enough to protect what he has placed in my trust until that day. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you heard from me with, with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Protect this good thing that has been placed in your trust through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you all would pray with me for just a moment. Lord, we thank you again for gathering us in this place, for gathering us in this moment of worship, this time to acknowledge who you are in our lives and to gather and just say thank you. Now, Lord, we ask that you will open our eyes that we may see where you are at work in this world. Open our ears that we may hear you speak to us so that we can know where to go. Open our minds, Lord, so that we may perceive you in all the ways that you are present with us. And now, Lord, make these words that I have prepared, not my words, but yours. Hide me, put me behind your holy presence, that what goes forth from here may be exactly what your people need. We ask these prayers and give these thanks in your son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So I have a question for you. What do we do when everything is threatening to fall apart? When the economy is bad, when the government isn't functioning, when wars are raging, and even the church itself seems to be coming unglued? What do we do? What do we do when so many of the institutions that we've come to rely on fail to be what we need them to be? or they fail to be what they say they are. Now, I'm sure none of you here thinks that I'm asking just idle questions, right? The news is filled with bad news. Our Congress is a mess. Inflation keeps prices on the rise, and there's even a new war in the Middle East. And in our church, our United Methodist Church, there is a looming weight that is hanging over so many of us who call ourselves United Methodists. We have this sense that even if everything is going well in our own congregations, that there's an axe about to fall, that some sort of death or ending is coming. And this isn't an unfounded feeling for those of you who've been keeping track of things. There is a call session of our annual conference next month. 
And there's general conference next year. There is so much change in the air. There's so much that we can't know, so much that we cannot predict or prepare for. Such was the case in Paul's second letter to Timothy. Paul is writing from his prison cell in Rome. This is his second arrest, and he's expecting to be executed soon by the Roman authorities. For Paul, everything was threatening to fall apart. He was facing certain death, and while he was facing that, most of his friends had abandoned him. (laughs) The persecution of Christians was on the rise, and even Timothy, one of his favored students, a man whom he ordained by laying on his own hands, even Timothy seemed to be wavering in his leadership. And when we think about it, can we really blame Timothy? Can we really blame him for wondering if it was worth the risk of continuing to preach this gospel of Jesus Christ when everyone that he'd seen around him who preached this gospel had run up against Roman resistance, been thrown into jail or worse? The Roman Empire was a difficult and a dangerous place for Christians. And Timothy was going through nearly the same things that Paul was going through. The only real difference is that Timothy hadn't been put in jail, at least not yet. (laughs) So in this difficult environment, Paul writes to Timothy. And he writes to bolster his faith and his confidence in the gospel. He writes to offer him guidance on how to carry on in the face of uncertainty, in the face of endings, and even in the face of death. Paul's first word to Timothy was this. He says, do not be ashamed of the gospel or of Paul's predicament. He said, depend on God's power to carry on. Paul urges Timothy to remember who called him and who it was that saved him. God's grace, he says, was revealed in the person of Jesus Christ, who destroyed death and brought new life in God. And Paul goes on to remind Timothy to remember what God has given him. Hold on to the good thing that has been placed in your trust, he said. There's a lot in these few verses. But as I read and and researched this text, all of Paul's reminders began to boil down to one word to me. And that word is this, vocation. The question that Paul had, that the Paul asked of Timothy was this. He said, would Timothy remain faithful to his call? Would he remain faithful to his vocation to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ even though times were difficult and dangerous? It's a question that resonates for us now. Will we, laity and clergy both, but especially laity, remain faithful to our call to be the bearers of the good news in a world that desperately needs to hear that God is love and that God has provided a means of salvation through Jesus Christ? Will we remain faithful to the vocation to proclaim and more importantly, to do the word even when we're rejected 
or ridiculed or even simply ignored. But what is this vocation? You may notice that I've used both the words vocation and call somewhat interchangeably uh, up till now. And in this text, the two words mean essentially the same thing. I personally like to think of vocation as a gifting that comes with a call. It's two parts. It's not merely a skill or something that you enjoy doing. Vocation is deeply rooted in our souls. It's deeply rooted in who God made us to be. But I don't want us to get stuck of think, thinking about vocation as just one single simple thing. And I don't want us to think of, some, of it as something that only people who have a call to ordain ministry have. As baptized members of the body of Christ, we are all part of what is called the priesthood of all believers. And that means that we all have a calling, that we all have a vocation on our lives. But for laity, figuring out that vocation can be tricky. For vocation is not merely a line of work or just God's plan for your life. Vocation is dynamic. And as the world changes around us, how we live into our gifts, how we live into our vocation and call, that also has to change. One author puts it this way. He says, God does not create you with a vocation, with one single plan. Rather, God has created you with the capacity for vocations, the, with the ability to engage in dialogue with God and others to create a plan or a path. Vocation then becomes a creative act. It's something that we create with God and with others, something that becomes unique to each of our lives. We all have spiritual gifts and practical skills that we can devote to ministry. But I want you to hear that vocation is not just about formal ministry. Vocation isn't something that just happens here in this space on Sunday mornings. I want to share a little bit of my story of finding vocation. So a few years ago, I thought that I was called to ordain ministry. And I actually entered the ordination process on the track to become an ordained deacon. And I had that feeling because I had a deep desire to connect the church in the world, to work for justice, and to be one who worked to spread the light of Christ throughout the community. And I was in the ordination process as a while, as I mentioned, but it was always a struggle. Every step of it felt just hard and difficult. I struggled to articulate my call. I struggled to figure out where and when I would go to seminary. And it just kept going on like this. The longer I stayed in the process, the harder it got. And finally, one day, I was having a heart-to-heart -heart with God, and I heard God clearly say this. He said, I need you to be laity. I've heard many stories of people who spent years dodging their call to ministry. And the one common thing about all of those stories, or almost all of those stories, is that usually when the person said yes, they described it as feeling a weight lifting off of them. For me, it was the opposite. 
I felt that weight lift when I turned back from ordained ministry. But in turning at God's command, God sent me back out into the world. Not out of the church, obviously, but back into spaces where I could continue using my gifts. Because it was in that moment that I realized that I'd been using my gifts all along. I'd been living into my vocation all along, and I didn't even know it. Because I was focused on this idea that those who are called to ordain ministry are those who have the strongest vocations. But God placed me in spaces where I could use my gifts to love people and to love them better than I had been doing. God placed me in spaces where I could use my engineering skills to build systems and processes that honored people's needs, both inside and outside of the church. You see, at its most fundamental, vocation is about using the gifts that God has given us. Gifts of grace and gifts of mercy, gifts of love, and to use them all in the service of building God's kingdom here on earth. I think we all know this, that we are all called to love, right? That is our most deepest calling, our most strong and important calling. But here's the rub. The world does not understand love and grace. It rejects them as weak and ineffective. Those in power ridicule those who would rather forgive an offense than to seek revenge when they are offended. Living the vocation that God has given you can be difficult and dangerous. Living a life of love and grace in a world that, that discounts them is hard. But remember Paul's words. Share in the suffering for the good news. Depending on God's power to shepherd you and protect you along the way. Remember that the world is not transformed into the likeness of Christ in comfort. Truly living into one's call, into one's vocation, will entail some amount of hardship if we're doing it right. And this brings me back to the question that I asked at the beginning of the sermon. It's a question that is constantly before us, just as it was before Timothy. When it seems like the world is falling apart, when it gets hard to live out our call, will we carry on in our vocation? In answer to that question, I say to you what Paul said to Timothy. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. Do not be ashamed of the church. Depend on God's power to carry on. Remember who saved you. Remember what they saved you for. Remember who calls you and who blesses you with gifts for the building of God's kingdom. For our vocation is to carry on, to keep sharing the good news of Jesus in whatever unique ways that God has gifted you to do so. For in a world that seems to be coming apart, it is not nicer buildings that we need. It's not better programs or better training or even better worship. What we need most are ladies who are on fire with their call, 
Lady who know their vocation and who are energized by the Holy Spirit. We need lady who will go forth out of these doors to tell the world or even just their neighborhood about the good news of Jesus Christ. What we need most are lay folks who know what their vocation is and who know that that vocation is to show the world what the love and grace of Jesus Christ looks like in action. I pray that you will be those laity, that you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and that you will be ready to look disaster in the eye and say, just as Paul did, I know the one in whom I've placed my trust. And I know that I am going to go and love anyway, despite the hardships, despite how hard it is to go and live and love. This is my hope and my prayer for each of you. In the holy name of God the Father, and Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.